Welcome to the Love Reaching Community's Sermon of the Week. For more information pertaining to the life of the church, please visit our website at lrcchurch.co.za. Good morning. Thank you. I think I might be the most prayed for preacher ever. (laughs) I've had uh, a horde of people praying for me this week as I've been preparing. And I'm very, very thankful for each one of you guys. Really appreciate it. Um, As you know, sorry, I'm a bit emotional. Actually, the baptism sort of just left me feeling just in awe of God and what He does in our lives and how He changes us so completely. So that's why I'm feeling a little emotional. (laughs) But anyway, so we've been doing relationships as a church and we've been looking at the different aspects of relationships. And this morning, I have been given the privilege of speaking to singleness. Da, da, da. <laughs> um, and it was quite an interesting time prepping. I really felt that this morning God isn't just wanting to speak about being single. I can see some married people already starting to glaze over. But I feel like God wants to speak more than being single. He wants to speak about being whole. And how are we whole in Him? Because we can't be whole when we're with other people. We first have to be whole with who He is in us. Um. I also just felt to remind us that no person, no marriage, no parent, no child can fulfill you. No one can make you whole unless you've accepted God and you know who you are in Him. That is when you can find wholeness. So as we go on this morning, I wanted to just start with figuring out who we are in God. Because if we don't know who we are, how are we going to know the wholeness we have in Him? So who we are in God, just, I've got a few, literally just a couple of, these are my introductory points in terms of who we are. Um, and the first one is that we are God's creation. And in Genesis, I've got lots of, before I start, I've got lots of scripture this morning, lots and lots and lots. I have no apologies for it. If you take away nothing from this morning, if you are taking notes, take down the scriptures. What I say is me, but what God says, his word is, says it lasts forever. So please take down the scriptures. Uh, Some of them we'll turn to. Some of them are shorter, so I'll just read them. But I'll give you where they all come from. So please take it down. Genesis 1 verse 27. Many of us know it. We've heard it many times. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created him. He created you. You are his creation. Psalm 139 verse 14 says, I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are his works. That's you. You are wonderful. You are made by him. Isaiah 43 verse 1 to 2 says, But now thus says the Lord, He who created you, he who formed you, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. God redeems you. He calls you. You are his. You are nobody else's. Nobody else's. And he won't leave you alone. No matter what you're going through, it says that he is always with you. We are God's chosen. Ephesians 1, if you turn with me there, there's quite a long passage I want to read there. Ephesians 1 verse 3 to 10. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who was blessed in us, in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. 
In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us all in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. This passage is so powerful. Not only does it talk about the fact that he chose us and that he forgives us, but that he adopts us. And when you are adopted, that means you become his son and his daughter. I also love the one part where it says that he forgives us so that he can make his plans known to us. So often we become Christians and we, we walk around and we say, oh, it's such a mystery. I don't know what God has for me. But actually he says he forgives us so that we can know what he has for us. So that we know that he has a purpose for us. Um, in Romans 8 verse 15 to 16, it says, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons. By whom we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself bears witness that our spirit, with our spirit, that we are children of God. So even the Holy Spirit knows once we've accepted Jesus, we are his children. And we are his children, which makes us his brothers and sisters, which I'll come back to again just now. But it also means that we are free. We are no longer slaves. We are no longer slaves to the things of this world, to the things that the world requires of us. Galatians 4 also talks about um, the fact that we are adopted and that we are his sons. And then it says, so you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that, that by nature are not gods. But now that you have come to know God, rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of this world? So once we know, once we've turned to God, we know that we are separate, that that's behind us. And we don't need to go back to those things. We need to keep going forward into the things that God has for us. We don't need to be slaves to the world, to the things of our past, to expectations of people pressurizing you to get married or to pursue somebody or whatever the situation is. Jesus says you are his son, you are his daughter, you are not a slave to what the world requires of you. It's important that we know who we are in God, because when we understand who we are in God, we know that our choices are different to the world. If we know we belong to God, your choices are different. I know I belong to my parents, so I, I live out some of the things that they've put in me. I make those choices because that's how they raised me. And God, he made you. So we need to make our choices line up with how he chooses for us to be. If we look at what the world says, what we watch in TV, what the newspapers say, what the stars are doing, what social media says, it gives us a very different picture. It says that when you are on your own, you have less value. It also that we often see things that you are, if you're on your own, your, contribu your contribution to society is limited. You might have less things available to you. You don't have children. You don't understand. Um, it also, we also see that you, um, it's often shown that you should test the potential success of your relationships. So you've got to see whether you're going to work out together, test the waters, you know, spend some time together, get married, well, sorry, not get married, move in, live together, try a little bit of intimacy, see whether you fit each other. And can I just say that that is so contrary to our God, 
to our Father and our Maker. When we trust Him with who we are, and we know that He has the best for us, we don't have to try on anything. We just trust Him. And we know that He will not give you something that's not going to work. He gives you good things. So we don't need to try those things on. Paul writes a lot about marriage, but he also writes about singles. So we're going to turn to 1 Corinthians verse, uh, chapter 7. I'm going to look at a few different pieces of Scripture. The reason I'm pulling them out is because there is a whole lot of marriage stuff, and I'm obviously, I'm pulling, I'm not just taking things out of context, but I'm pulling out what he says to singles and, to, and how we live our lives. From verse 7 to 8, it says, I wish that all were as I myself am, but each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one to another. To the unmarried and the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. So verse 8, I just wanted to read because it says Paul is single. But verse 7, I was totally surprised by this. I always, I grew up, marriage is a gift. Everyone talks marriage is a gift. But yeah, he says singleness is a gift too. We don't have to look at our singleness and think, oh, we're lacking something. God skipped us out. What are we missing? But actually singleness is a gift too. If we move forward a little bit into verse 17, it says, Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. The life that God has assigned to you. You are not a, oh, oops, I forgot. I didn't make a plan. There's no spouse for you. Or, oh, sorry, they're not ready for you, as I've heard lots of people say, and I think I've even counseled people. Maybe the person's just not ready for you. <laughs> but actually, God says you've got to lead the life that he has assigned to you. What has he assigned to you now? Where are you now? Are you living that life now? If we know the path that he has, we'll know that it looks different to others. Our paths are not the same. And they shouldn't be the same. And we shouldn't be seeking for them to be the same. Verse 32 to 35. This... Uh, this I read, I'm, I know I've read it before, but when I read it, I thought, sure. I sh maybe I should have read it before we got married, but I'm just joking. <laughs> You'll see why now. It's nothing against my husband. I love him deeply. It says, I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife. And his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord and how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married man is anxious, sorry, married woman is anxious about the worldly things and how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to God. The fact is when you are married, I will tell you from experience, your focus is not on God. You have to keep reminding yourself to bring it back to God. And yeah, Paul says, do you guys realize that when you're not married, you're not trying to keep somebody else happy. You're not trying to spend your energy making sure that your life is what they want. You're making sure your life is what I want. And what a gift. Like I realized that is the gift. I was like, Lord, why didn't I know this before? <laughs> and not that, I didn't, not that I didn't appreciate the singleness when I was in it, but just that realization that maybe I could have hindered my husband. Maybe God had more for him without me. I don't know. But what I do know is that God has given us this way to walk. And God has given you the way to walk that you are in now. So if you are single 
walk in it and be thankful that you don't have to be anxious. I also wanted to remind people not to rush to get married. We often, in the world, it's like you've got to get married. In churches, even, it's like you like each other, get married. That's the next step. And actually, marriage is hard, hard work. It really is. Um, And I know some of us make it look really easy. (laughs) But if you know, yes, it's Johan and Marilise, none of us. If you know the path some of us have walked, you will realize that uh, it's not easy. Um, And so don't be in a rush. Say, God, what have you got for me now? I want to live in the fullness you have for me now. So if you're single, don't be in a rush. Don't say, oh, God, I'm missing something out until I have you. It's not like that. With these things in mind, I now get to the main points of my preach because that was just the introduction. I know very long, but uh, we're, we're on time. So it's all good. So... In terms of living our lives, whether we're single or married, we need to put things in place in our lives that help us to walk the things that he's called us to and help us to honor God with our lives. Um, If we're not doing that, then what is the point? Because we are not made for ourselves. We are made for God. So my first point, if you turn with me, in fact, if you still have your Bible open, we're in 1 Corinthians 6 now. So it's just one chapter before. Verse 18 to 20. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body. But the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. My first point, flee from sexual immorality. It's hectic, guys. I'm going to show you more scripture just now that shows that we lose our inheritance if we don't choose to live our lives and let our bodies glorify God. Okay? Um, I love that it says flee. It doesn't say walk away. It doesn't say roll over and ignore it now. It doesn't say close the curtains. It says flee, which is run away with everything inside of you. And if you cannot do that by yourself, please ask someone. Find someone in your life who will help you walk away who will help you make the right choices. It's not a thing of condemnation, but actually it's a thing of saying, I actually need help. And God knows we need help. That's why he put you here. That's why we're all in this body together, because we can help each other. Um, Leading on to there, my second point is to protect the marriage bed. And please don't think, oh, I'm not getting married. This is irrelevant. It is relevant for everybody. Hebrews 13 verse 4 says, Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and the adulterous. Whether you will or will not get married, you need to protect the marriage bed. You are single until the day you are married. Until that moment that ring is on your hands and you say, I do, you are single in the eyes of God. Please hold on to that. It's not, I'm not just saying it because it's a good idea. Your inheritance depends on the choices you make. So make the right choices. And I promise you, it is worth the wait. I really do. It's worth the wait. So please wait for it. Um, If you're sitting here and you're thinking, oh my goodness, it's too late for me. What have I done? It's not too late for you. My third point is to walk in forgiveness. There is no condemnation in God. And we need to walk in the forgiveness 
In 1 John 1 verse 9, it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive of, us, of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I thought this point was really important because I have counseled people who have said, well, I've already made the mistake. I might as well keep making the mistakes. And it's not, that's not what God requires of us. He says, confess your sins and I will wash you clean. I will clean you of all these things. Back to 1 Corinthians 6 verse 11. Sorry, uh, yeah, 6 verse 9 to 11. It says, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither sexually immoral nor adulterers, and he lists a whole lot of sins, will inherit the kingdom of God. Then to verse 11, And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So if you have walked that road, it's the road is not over. Your road can actually just begin now. You can make the right choices now and say, God, this is what I want for my life. I want my life to honor you. Let me make the right choices now. This is what God requires of us all. No matter what your sin is, no matter how big, God can wash it all. God, he's, it's, it's all done. Please don't hold back from him because of what you think you've done. Number four, my fourth point don't make excuses. In 1 Timothy 4 verse 12, I also know lots of people know this verse, especially the young people. It's, I think, preached so many times in youths. Let them despise you for your youth, but set for the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. doesn't matter how young you are. You can make the right choices now. I've heard so many people say, I'm young. I just want to have fun now. I want to try things out. Not only sex, but also drugs, alcohol. I want to just play with my life now. And I'll get serious with God later. But in Ephesians, sorry, Ecclesiastes 11 verse 9, he says, Sure, go for it. Go and have fun. But you will be judged one day. God's not going to go, oh, sorry, you were young. You didn't know. He is going to look at you now. Yeah. He's going to look at you and go, actually, you did know. You did know because you sat here and listened to this now. So if you didn't know before, now you know. Time to move on. <laughs> um, I've also heard older people, maybe people who have already been married and are no longer married, or people who think that they've passed their prime, say things like, well, I did it right the first time. Or I'm older now. God, doesn't matter. I don't need to be an example. Titus 2, verse 2 to 7, is speaking to older men, older men and older women very specifically. It actually says, to the older men and to the older women. It says, they must be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith and love, showing themselves in all respects to be a model of good works. It is never too late. God still has a purpose for you now, and God still wants to use you now. Our lives need to be pure no matter our age, no matter our circumstance. My fifth point, and one of my favorite points, is to live whole. How do we live whole? First of all, we've got to realize that we are not alone. God is always with us. And I wanted to read, I wanted to read this over you all because, again, it's a, it's a psalm I've heard read many times, for some reason, often at funerals. And I think we need to walk in it now. And it's Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. 
You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. How amazing is that? God has good things for you. He wants to lead you. When you let him lead you, he takes you to these things. He fills your cup to overflowing. That, that emptiness goes away. That sense of I don't have what the world says I should have goes away because he fills you. Allow him to take your spirit and lead you where you need to go. He's the only one who truly satisfies us. Psalm 104 talks about, sorry, 107 verse 4, talks about people wandering in the desert and finding no home, no place to belong. And then it says that they cried out to God in their trouble, and God heard them. He led them by a straight way. He told them which city to go to. He let them, sorry, then it says, let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man, for he satisfies the longing of soul and the hungry soul. He fills with good things. When we don't know who we are, we have that longing, that desire. We need to be complete which is often, I think, what singles are feeling. But when you're married, you have it in other ways. You feel like you need to fill up your lives in different ways. But that wholeness that God has, it's, he can quench the thirst that no one else can. He fills those spaces like no one else can. So we need to seek him in order to live a whole life. He knows that he has a purpose for us now. He has a purpose for you now. It says in 2 Timothy 1 verse 9, that he has saved us all and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace. It's not because of who we are and how great we are and the right choices we've made. It's because of the purposes that he plans for us. He has good works for us to do. Part of walking in wholeness is knowing that God has a plan for you now. He wants you to be an active part of his kingdom now. Please don't wait. I remember when I, before we were married and the, the couple leading the church there, the um, the man, he said to me, what are you waiting for? He says, God has something for you. What are you waiting for? And I was like, no, I'm, I'm very shy. And I just, I'm just waiting for someone to hide behind, really. And I'm just waiting for, you know, God to give me more so that I can go. And the couple just prayed for me and they said, you know what? God's got more for you now. And they were going overseas on an overseas trip and I was terrified. <laughs> I had never traveled without my parents I was young and I thought, what am I doing? And they were like, but you're not going alone. You're going with us. And I went with two other couples. So then already I was like, oh, I'm the fifth wheel. Forget the third wheel. I'm the fifth wheel. But you know what? I went in team and I was cared for. I was looked after. And God not only challenged me and took me out of my comfort zone, but he used me. I came back so humbled from that trip that I didn't need somebody. I didn't need to be under my parents. I didn't need to be under a man to be used by him. He had a purpose for me then. And to not wait. We can't wait. God has a purpose for you right now, whether you're married or unmarried. Um, God also knows we need human company, which is my second last point, but also one of my favorites. <laughs> it says, my point six is to love one another. In Psalm 68 verse 6, it says that God sets the lonely into families. And the word for family is home. It's the same word that they use in Hebrew for home. God wants to give you a place where you belong. Um, if you're feeling alone, if you don't have a family you're walking in, ask God. Say, God, give me a family to walk in. And if you don't understand what I mean, there are people, I know Johan and Marilee Stewart and many of the of couples in this church, whose homes are open to people. 
they just say, come in. Come and be part of our family. Come be part of our lives. And if you are single and you're saying, well, God, I'm alone. I don't feel like I have that connection. Ask him. Say, God, okay, who, whose family should I be knocking on? Whose door must I be knocking on? Whose life do I have to impact? Because it's not just them impacting your life. I can say from testimony, we have, we have some single people in our lives that are honestly so part of our families and they teach me and challenge me so much. So it's not just a one-sided benefit. So if you are married or you have a family, please open your homes as well. You will benefit from it. It's not just the single people that, you, that need the cuddles. You need it too. You need someone who's sometimes going to say, hey, sort yourself out. Your husband's better than that or your wife is better than that. And sometimes that person on the outside can see that much better than you can. So welcome people into your homes. And can I also just say, just a little note, we've had people in our homes and some of them we invited and they came straight away. And some we've had to invite 10 or 15 times before they came. But you know what? It's worth it. <laughs> it is worth it. If someone says to you, if you are single and you, or you're feeling lonely, even if you're a new couple and you, say, Please come, and you hear someone say, please come to my house, take them up on it. Don't just think, oh, now I'm going to be a burden. It was just an invitation for politeness. Please take them up on it. They want to love you. And you need to be loved. And you need to love them too. Take them up on it. Um, in terms of friendships, <laughs> in terms of friendships, I think it's very important that we keep our friendships focused on God. So when you are bringing people into your home or when you are joining somebody's home, we've got to make steps in our friendships that they are holy and that they are righteous so we don't fall into the wrong situation. So in Romans 12, verse 9 to 16, I've just taken a few things there that are such good examples on how to live. And if we run our friendships like this, then we will be living godly lives. It says, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit and serve the Lord. Serve the Lord together. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Make sure that God is the center of all your friendships and relationships. Because if he's not, then you're going to fall astray. You're going to be led astray. God needs to be the center. We are adopted into the kingdom of God, as I said earlier on, which means we are brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters. I could picture Johan saying that again. Brothers and sisters. You need to love each other like you love your brother or your sister. Till the day you are married, till that ring is on your finger, you are brothers and sisters. Can you look at the person sitting next to you if you're not married to them and say, I've treated you like my brother. I've treated you like my sister. Or are you a little creeped out right now? I'm just saying. We need to love people the way they need to be loved. God tells us to honor each other, to love each other. And the way we love each other needs to honor him. So is your love pure? Is it from a pure place? In 1 Peter um, 1 verse 22 to 23, it says, Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of a perishable seed, but an imperishable seed. We are not born of, God, of the world. We are born of God. Our love needs to be pure. The way we treat those persons. One day when you get to heaven, and whether you're married or not, can God say to you, you loved my daughter so well? 
or you loved my son so well. I've often heard people go, oh, that person's parent is so scary. God is your parent. God is their parent. I cannot think of anyone more scary, more scary to dishonor in the way we love people than God. So let's consider that when we are choosing our relationships and how we want to walk out our relationships. Do we honor God in those things? He is our father. Um, my final point is to be content. No matter what your situation is, no matter where you are, to be content in the things God has for you. In Philippians 4, Paul writes that he learned to be content no matter his situation. In verse 13 to, uh, sorry, 12 and 13, he says, I have, sorry, I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstances, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I love that he adds, you know, we often quote that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But can you see here he uses it in context of being content. If we look at what the world has for us, we'll never be content. If we look at what the world expects, we'll never be content. We will always want something we don't have or want a different situation. But actually, he says, God strengthens us so we can be content. Uh, Matthew 6, Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, he actually says, do not be anxious about your life, about any part of your life. And he says, seek first the kingdom of God, and he will add all these things. He will add. So we need to be seeking God for our lives now. In your situation, no matter what your situation, you need to seek him now. When we allow our, our attention... Sorry, what we allow our time and our attention to be on will define what we are and who we are and the wholeness we walk in and the security that we have before God and in God. We need to focus on God and not what we think we should have. If you are finding yourself discontent or unhappy, please look to God. Say, God, what is it I'm missing? Because guaranteed it's not necessarily someone, but it's something in him that you're missing. Something in his word that maybe you haven't read yet. Something you haven't seen. Something you haven't understood about his deep love for you. In conclusion, I wanted to read two verses. Psalm 119 verse 9. How can a man keep his way pure? It's also for women. By guarding it according to your word. When I was prepping this, I thought, God, sure, there's a lot of different verses in here. <laughs> and there are. But I just felt God say, because my word will last forever. And my word is what we set our lives on. So we need to work, walk and work according to his word to guard our lives. And then in, finally, in uh, Philippians 4 verse 8, he actually writes, Paul writes, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What are you thinking about? What do you spend your time thinking about? Are you watching movies? Or are you thinking about things you don't have, things you wish you had? Is that honorable? Are you honoring God with your time and your thoughts? We need to keep our, thing, our mind on the things of God because if we look to the world, we're going to miss out. God has got so much more for us. And, and according to the world, we'll never have. I will never be a millionaire living in the lap of luxury and being fed grapes, peeled, I don't know, what, whatever it is that for you, you you're trying to achieve. It's not, why not? Yeah, it, it's not going to happen. But that doesn't mean that I can't live fulfilled in what God has for me now and whole in what he has for me now. 
And this morning, we're going to go into time of ministry now. And I really just felt that there were different groups of people that God really wants to meet with you. And whether you come forward and get prayed for, or whether you just sit in your chair and you hear from God and hear what He has for you. I felt this morning, if you are lonely, if you're saying, God, I've been walking this, this road of loneliness for so long, I felt so alone. I felt like God wants to meet you this morning. He wants to show you the families you should be joining. He wants to show you the people you should be in relationship with. But more so, he wants to show you how he wants to fill you. So if that is you, then you can come up for prayer. Or as I said, just hear God where you're at. There are some of you that maybe when I spoke about the first two points, about fleeing from temptation, keeping the marriage bed pure, maybe you're thinking, oh, sorry, God, I've messed up. This morning, there's space. Come and repent. It says, repent. Ask for forgiveness, and he will forgive you of all your sins. Washed clean from this moment new. You don't need to walk with that on you. It's done. You are pure in the sight of God. Please, if that's you, come. Let someone pray with you. Either one of the ministry team, one of the elders, let someone pray with you. Come confess and repent. There is no condemnation. You're not going to leave this place and people are going to, ooh, that person came up with that. There is no condemnation in God. It ends here this morning. You move forward in him. Then I also felt that there's people this morning who maybe you're thinking, God, I, I don't have this wholeness you're talking about. I feel like I'm lacking. I feel like I'm not complete as a person. I feel like I can't walk into the things you have for me. And if that's you to come up for prayer, let us pray. Because God is the only one who will fill those gaps. Let, let us pray for you. And the last group is maybe you've heard everything I've said and gone, Psh, that's, I'm just, why, why, why would I do that? Why, why, would I, why would that matter to me? I don't know this Jesus. I don't know the plans he has for me. I haven't accepted him, and I haven't become a son or a daughter in his house. And this morning, if that's you, please don't leave this place without becoming his son or daughter. He was, he, he was killed on a cross for you. He died on the cross for you because he wants you as his, because he loves you and he has the best for you. So if that's you, please come for that.